Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolf. Being at the beginning of the school year brings about many exciting moments, many moments of hope, but also the reality that many of our districts and schools are facing with teacher shortages and many needs in other roles as well. Today, we're going to talk to our last two state teachers of the year, Eugenia Floyd, the 2021 North Carolina Teacher of the Year, Leah Carper, the 2022 North Carolina Teacher of the Year, and also our state principal of the year, Patrick Green. We are so thrilled that you all are with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So here we are the first week of school, and I know you all are in very special roles as teachers of the year and principal of the year, but that also means that you know your district deeply, but you also know what's happening across our state. How do you think our schools are doing right now? A lot of it has to do with where you are and what situations you're in. Um, I think teachers are ultimately excited about being back with less restrictions and the, the promise of uh, a, a more normal year and what all that could bring. I know we saw lots of students yesterday who were just as excited the same way. Um, there's a, an atmosphere of excitement. Um, of course, a lot of us are still dealing with lacking human capital that, that we need um, and some strains on that, but I think people are coming into it positively um, and trying to figure out how to make those things work uh, for the sake of everyone else in the building. Yesterday, as I walked the halls of Scroggs Elementary, um, the teachers are so, they're so excited. We are always excited when the the babies arrive, you know, and for us, it is just like, you know, it is our Super Bowl Sunday. It is our, some might say it might be our holiday, right? And the gift that we get at, on that first day of school are the minds of our little children. Um, so it is just definitely an exciting day. It is this week, it's just a week to get to know our kids, get to know how we're gonna connect to their learning, how we're gonna tap into their geniuses. And I'm excited for my fellow colleagues. I'm excited as well to just be able to be in spaces together. I have three children and I have, a, I have an elementary school, middle school and a high schooler. And they all came home yesterday and reported that they had a wonderful day. Even my second grader who doesn't love school so much said that he listened the entire time yesterday to his teacher because he knows that she already loves him is what he said. I know she already loves me. And hearing that from, from him meant a lot to me because there are so many teachers who already love their students, who already want them to feel like we're so, like Gina was saying, we're so happy to see you. We're excited for you to be in this building. We are ready for you. And I'm just so happy that my children had that experience yesterday, especially my not school lover <laughs> child. My high schooler reported that all of her teachers had interesting lessons. She said, I even did math on the first day. And that is everything. Let's get started, right? We don't need to spend the first few days of school going over every little, let's just start. You know, let's let's get to know each other and let's get going. And so that was really exciting for her just to get started. One of the things we are hearing about are definitely larger shortages than we've seen before. And this is with teachers. This is with bus drivers. This is with counselors. We're even hearing it with leadership roles like principals. Um, and it's something I know that we've talked about before. And I want to dig in a little bit now. Someone from work yesterday wrote, my seventh grade son's in a cafeteria with another whole class because he doesn't have a science teacher. 
And that's in a pretty large school district in North Carolina. So what are we seeing in regards to these teacher shortages? And then we're, of course, going to get to what can we do? My district kind of keeps us updated with how our shortages are looking. And it's not as bad here as it is in other districts. But when I was searching the internet yesterday, just scrolling through first days of school, I saw posts like the one that you said, and it broke my heart thinking that there are children who didn't get a teacher day one, who didn't have somebody who was trained and who was ready to accept children into, into their class. Um, that made me very sad to hear. But when you think about how much students need a teacher right now, um, especially because we're we're in such like an important time in their in their educational career, this is the first you know the first like like Patrick said kind of normal year that we've had for a while. Um, it's just so important, and so it's heartbreaking, and it's also um, worrisome that there are students who don't have the things that they need, and the first thing that they all need is teacher. They have to have someone who's a trained professional who is ready to go. Absolutely. And we know that the teacher is the number one school-related factor, right, that affects student outcomes. And we need that teacher. And the experience we've mentioned were all possible because of teachers. Um, Patrick, as you talk to your colleagues across the state, principals that are dealing with some of these shortages, what are you hearing? I'm hearing a lot of trying to figure it out. Um, you know, that I think ultimately the principal has the job of trying to make something work in the absence of a teacher or a person there. And they're, they're trying to be as creative as they can be, get people in the doors, um, do things that they, they can impact children. Um, I, I'll admit that personally, I feel a bit guilty. Um, I'm fully staffed. Um, my district is actually only one person shy of being fully staffed. Um, but that's been a lot of really hard work over years um, in a very tight-knit community, and we've pulled from a lot of resources to make that happen. But I think to bigger districts who don't have, have, have a much greater need and, and don't have the advantages of a of small, tight-knit community, how difficult that can be to pull from those things. So I think there's, there's a lot of creativity and a lot of just trying to figure out a way to make this work because they know how impactful that is for students. They get those phone calls from parents who are upset. They, they see children discouraged. They, they know that and they're going to keep feeling that until they figure out an answer. Eugenia, you know, we've talked about how important this well-prepared educator is. So it's both having a teacher, but as Leah and Patrick both said, a well-prepared teacher. So what kinds of things are you seeing happen um, across the state? It's about quick fixes that can happen overnight. Patrick just said, this is years of connection with the community, connection with other stakeholders in order to make sure that we have a staff to serve our children. When we have a vacancy, that absolutely means that there is a service that we could provide to a child that they are not getting. And for me, that doesn't sit well with me. And so there is the there is this level of creativity and how when we are in the work of education that we are always acting as bridges um, and not barriers and that no one is above the work. So I have seen, you know, some of our district level staff administrators come down into the classroom and, you know, try to go into their, you know, box of remembering how to teach um but we've seen that level of creativity as well now how long that will last or how long they're able to be in that space without doing the job that they are 
you know, that's just, they're all paid to do, we don't know. But that is happening, you know, in elementary schools and specifically one within my district where we have had a district leader come and actually act as the teacher. Um, and so, and I'm not going to say act as a teacher, do the work that they've already been called to do originally, which was teach. They just got to go back in their memory bank. For me, it is definitely the feeling of all hands on deck. Like, you know, we don't have time to, there is always an urge, there's always going to be the urgency. And more so than now, like making sure that we are providing children the, the service. Like, we can't not do that thing, that great work for kids. And it's gonna take everyone making sure that they are available and are flexible and making the moves to serve children. It kind of takes me back to my principal, y'all. One of the things that I, I've seen her do, I've seen my principal like move furniture, sweep a floor, vacuum a floor. Like she is not above doing anything that needs to be done to make her school look beautiful and make it a welcoming and beautiful place for kids. And I would, I know that there are leaders all across our state that are willing and able to do the exact same thing. What are we willing to do? What are we going to have to do for right now in order to make sure that the spaces are ready for children? Thank you so much. And after the break, we will continue this discussion with what are some of the things we can do to help do that hard work so that we don't have these shortages in the future. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Participate Learning, uniting our world through global learning. Welcome back to Education Matters. I'm thrilled once again to be joined by our most recent state teachers of the year, Eugenia Floyd and Leah Carper, and also our state principal of the year, Patrick Green. Um, Patrick, Eugenia, and Leah, one of the things we've been talking about are the shortages that we're seeing. And, you know, Patrick mentioned it took a lot of years to get to a place where they had a strong pipeline and strong retention in their schools. We also know that to get to this place of a shortage, it wasn't just the pandemic that got us here. Um, when we look at our enrollment in our state colleges of ed in particular, we are down by anywhere between 30 to 50%, depending on which 10 years you look at. But what we know is the decrease of people in those programs has gone down significantly. And so what happened that got us there, but also what can we do to turn this around? So we're looking to the three of you with hope and also to help us you know, talk through what are some of these possible solutions? I think you have to think about it from two lenses. You have to think about what do I do to get people in the door? And then what do I do to, to keep them once they're there? Um, so getting people in takes investments. I mean, just like we invest dollars, we know that they're not going to pay off for years. We're going to have to make investments now that we know pay off years from now. I think um, things like grow your own programs, um, investments into um, uh, things like the teaching fellow scholarship that get people an opportunity to go to school and be trained with the idea of becoming a teacher later, rather than retooling someone who didn't originally go to school for that. Um, but then once you have those people, the biggest thing that teachers and principals uh, and district leaders can do is to make them feel supported and welcomed in the school that they're in and, and make them you know, effective in their job. I think nobody really looks to go to a job that's stressful and they're not effective at it and they don't you know, enjoy what they're doing. So our job is to, as, as teacher leaders, as building leaders and as district leaders is to help make them effective and, and find solutions to problems for them. Um, I work in a, a small non-affluent county uh, and, you know, a lot of, probably half of our staff lives in a surrounding district. 
um, which means they're driving past the school to get to our schools. And it, I think that's because they feel supported in the role that they're doing and in the schools that they're in. So that speaks volumes um, when you think about a time right now when it's difficult to get people in and keep them in and people are competing with dollars and sign-on bonuses to steal people away, um, that people feel you know, effective in their role and in their building and they're willing to stay there and continue that hard work. Leah, what recommendations do you have for our state, for our districts, um, and for people interested in education? So I think that making a stronger connection with students when they're younger to, to build our own to grow our own um, educators is really important. We have some amazing programs in our in our districts. The teacher cadet program is amazing. So students can understand what it would look like to be a teacher and then um, support them through their entire um, educational experience and then bring them back to that district to teach. Um, that would be amazing. Also, teachers like Patrick said, need to feel supported once they're in th that role. And support looks different for every person. So for some people, support means um, you listen to me and you, you give me the things that I need. For other teachers, it's you help me um, better my craft. For some teachers, it's you pay me more money so that I don't have to have a second job so I can do better at my first job, which is being a teacher. For everyone, that looks different. But for most people, it looks like something along all of those lines. Um, mostly, or not mostly, but another thing too is just getting respect being respected as a professional. Many teachers don't feel like they have that respect. And that comes from sometimes the community, sometimes their leadership, um, sometimes from their colleagues. It can come from many people. And many people don't see that. They don't recognize that. And because they don't recognize that, they don't trust that the decisions that we're making in our classrooms every day are what's best for students. And so that trust to me is huge. That, that's what support looks like for me, especially. Well, I really appreciate because what you're also describing is treating our teachers as the professionals that they are um, with something that is a very challenging and complex role. Um, and I really appreciate that. Eugenia, I want to hear your ideas as well, but I also want to make sure we have time to talk about something that we hear a lot about, which is teacher pay. Um, you know, I think that goes into respect. I think that goes into being a professional. And I'm just wondering what you think we can or should be doing as a state to really increase that because when people are thinking about, do I go into education? Do I go to college to be a teacher? They have to also think about, can I live on what I'll make in that role? And so Eugenia, I'd love your thoughts on that too. Absolutely. And I just absolutely want to say, I love everything that Patrick and Leah said. It was amazing. And to move forward, as they talked about those programs that we are doing, one of the things I do want to add to that is, when we think about bringing back programs that were so successful for recruiting and retaining educators in North Carolina, I also want us to put on that lens of making sure that we are, those efforts are structured in a way that diversify our workforce. So what, we're, what, what may have been working at one point in time may not have diversified our workforce and it only had our workforce looking one way. And so how can we make sure that as we bring these new programs to bring these programs back or bring these programs to light, that we are doing things to make sure that our staff uh, exemplifies and looks like the children that we serve as well. 
Um, and as I, I say that to say that I was one of the other things I really love um, about my district and some other districts in our state, um, I was a teacher assistant before I was a teacher. And so I am a, I am a, I love TA to teach. Um, I wasn't, I didn't have the pleasure of being in that program. I paid for it myself, but, but I will say that I think it was invented after I came in y'all. I'm, I'm truly, I believe it, but I will say that, um, there are some skills as an assistant teacher that I, I without a doubt brought into my classroom on the very first day, whether it be classroom management, whether it be just how the process or how a school culture, what it's all about, the rules and regulations, those are things I had under control before even coming into um, the on the first day. So those are very um, important roles as well. I will say that to say I was a first generation kid. And so when we talk to our children about the power that education has in order to, whether it be to get you out of poverty or whatever it is, we have to remember that um, we, I, I, I told Secretary Cardona this actually, you know, I was sold that dream and I went into college and I got my student loans and I want to be able to have an income that reflects being able to pay back the student loans as well as survive, right? Like not having a little bit more than just bread and water um, coming through the house. So I think it's really important that when we are thinking about this profession, that is another area of concern for sure is, am I just surviving or am I able to thrive? Um, and I think that that is one of the, my biggest concerns in the education, that's my concern, that's my concern right now on educator salary is like, am I surviving or am I thriving? What am I going to have to do in order to make sure that I'm okay? Um, and I'm just a single woman taking care of myself. So I can only imagine if I had children or, you know, had elderly family members that I may be taking care of. Their life happens to educators as well. We are not bionic. We are not superheroes because, you know, they kind of bounce back fairly quickly. So I think it's really important that we remember that, again, this is a profession. And the other piece, I love what Leah said about respect is I definitely never want to be a target for um, public discontentment. Um, and I think that we have to remember that as well when, you know, for me not to have, be able to survive, not, have, not be able to thrive, but also being a target in, in some cases as well, it doesn't feel good to necessarily be in the profession in that way. So what are we doing to make sure that we are supporting our educators and that, and that that support is differentiated? Um, because like Leah said, we don't all necessarily need the same things. My first day back at school would completely different than maybe Leah's first day back in her high school. And so what are we doing to make sure that not only we're getting support financially, but also through our administrators. I know, Patrick, you definitely are giving differentiated support to your staff members, right? You can't give the same level of support to your BTs that you're giving to your 20-year veterans. It is not the same. And so how knowing, making sure that our administrators from the boardroom know then there has to be some level of differentiated support as well. That's a big deal. And it's important for the people watching to know that the beginning teacher salary in North Carolina is barely over $37,000. 
And I just want to make sure that we have that information out there and that we're clear because we did have over a $6 billion surplus last year, and we can make choices with what we do with that funding. Um, after the break, this week's final word. As we wrap up today, you know, I hate to wrap up with the three of you. I could talk to you all day long with your wisdom. Um, I want to give each of you a chance to share a one minute moment of hope, something that is making you excited and helping to see why education is just so important for North Carolina. So I think my moment of hope yesterday um, kind of came as I saw students that have participated in the many, many summer programs that we were able to offer students that had already built um, bonds with our, our incoming freshmen and, and our older students. All first day cafeteria, it, there's a, not a worse feeling for ninth graders, but they were sitting with upperclassmen that they had built those relationships with, and it was a great first day for them. They did not look terrified like they always were, and it just a, a, a moment of uh, just a good feeling to watch that happen because we had placed those investments throughout this summer, and kids felt comfortable at school on day one. This summer, I was able to go to many trainings or be part of um, facilitating many trainings for teachers. And even the most veteran teachers wanted to learn more. They wanted to do something different. They wanted to change it up. They wanted to try something new. They wanted to expand their toolkit so that they could better serve our students. You guys, teachers are, we are, we are definitely underpaid. And, and, and everyone says like, oh, you do it for the, the outcomes, not the incomes. Well, we do it for, for yes, of course, like we, we do it for that. But it would be nice to be paid more. I just want to be able to make sure we all know that. Like, it would be great if we stopped using that as the excuse to not pay teachers more. Let's normalize that. But my moment of hope is that every teacher I met was excited for this school to start, the school year to start. Not one of them. And I met hundreds of teachers was like, here we go again. They're ready. They want to do wonderful things. So let's support them. They want to every year get better. These are teachers who've been teaching, you know, way longer than I have. And they're like, what else? What else can I do? This is so great. Teach me more. That, that hunger, that desire gives me so much hope that North Carolina educators are so excited to have the job that they have. Let's help them keep that job. Let's help them want to stay in this job. We want excited, passionate, open educators helping our students because that will just help North Carolina for everyone. Absolutely. And Eugenia, I know you have a special student story to share with us that was one of your favorites. So let's end on that beautiful note. So yesterday was the first day of school and I had the opportunity to walk a first grader to class. She was a little late for class. So I got to walk her there and I told her, we are so excited that you are here. She looked up at me like, really? And I was like, yes, because this school building is boring without you. And just the joy and excitement that came upon her face, letting just, you could tell that you could, she knew that she belonged here and that we as educators are doing everything in our power to make space for her so that she can feel seen, valued and heard. And she was just, she had a little extra step in her, in her walk as we walked back to, as we walked to her classroom and she was just super excited. So that was one of the most joyful moments I think I've had in my career to see a first grader light up because she knows that these adults in this building have been waiting for her. And you know, that's going to carry through Eugenia to her whole year. And so I just love that. 
I cannot thank the three of you enough. Our state is so lucky. Our educators and our kids are so fortunate to have each of you. Um, we have a lot of work to do, but I'm glad that the three of you are part of those efforts to make sure that we can do the best for our kids every single day. So thank you so much for joining us. We so appreciate getting to hear from these master educators who are working with educators in schools across the state what the wonderful things that are happening are, but also what are some of the areas where we have significant work to do as a state. North Carolina has the resources and North Carolina has a tremendous opportunity to before us to make sure that every child has access to a high quality and well-prepared teacher and has the opportunity to learn in the best learning environment possible. Thank you so much for taking time to learn and think about education. That's all for today and we'll see you next week.